Welcome to our backyard. This is the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We are two friends having a discussion after everyone else has passed out or gone to bed. Grab a drink and listen as we discuss everything from automation, space exploration, and why the meaning of life is 42. UBI. No, it's not an SCD, although it does sound like one. Universal Basic Income. Is it the future of welfare or the downfall of society? But before we get into UBIs, Nick, how are you and what are you drinking? I am doing great. I am drinking the random assortment of beers left over after someone visits. I'm currently drinking a Pelican Brewing Bad Santa beer. What about you? That that sounds extremely odd, but I'm drinking a uh, Stillhouse bourbon, which is pretty good. It's uh, keeping me uh, keeping me warm at night. And uh, I think we might have bit off more than we could chew like we normally do, Nick. There's a lot that goes into everyone universally getting a bunch of money, but apparently it's super simple, but very complex at the same time. <laughs> I feel like I have a joke there, but I'm just going to end up cutting it out. So I'm just going to leave that open-ended. <laughs> I just, uh, okay. So just when listening to people explain it, they always start with, it's a very simple concept and process. And then when someone challenges it, I feel like they're like, well, it's actually more complicated than that. <laughs> yes, but no. Exactly. This conversation of universal basic income is in fact an old one, going back to conversations in ancient Greece. Ancient Athens, to be specific, in 483 BC, when Athens found a new silver mine, a debate arose. Aristotles wanted to give the money to Athenian citizens, a different man, Thermoctesis, which you might be familiar with. I probably butchered all those names. Uh, but he wanted to build warships for Athens. Those warships would be used to defeat the Persians who invaded. We all know how that one turned out. Fast forward to 1551, when Thomas More's book Utopia would be released, which had a form of UBI in it. Then in 1790s, a founding father of America, Thomas Paine, wanted a citizen's dividend. A dividend for every citizen getting paid based on the resources profit of the GDP that the United States produced. Then we move forward to the 20th century, the 1980s. A Milton Friedman. He would have a form of universal basic income called negative income tax. He wanted this to replace welfare. And something I found also interesting, both Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Richard Nixon wanted some form of universal basic income. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I figured those two figures would be on opposite sides on everything. That's a pretty safe bet. But I think a good place to start is the negative income tax. Because that would lead into what everyone thinks in the 21st century with politicians like Andrew Yang and philosophers talking about with the universal income. And how the negative income tax would be and work was a set figure would be defined. And if you made less than that figure, rather than paying taxes, you got paid by the government. An example, say we set an income of 40000 a year. If you made under that, for example, 20000 the government would pay you the difference, divide that by two, and give you that. So if you made 20000 the government would pay you 10000 because the difference between 40000 and 20000 is 20000 20000 divided by two is 10000 So if you made 35000 
they would give you 2,500. So the difference between 40,000 and 35,000 is 5,000, so 5,000 divided by 2. And that was supposed to be, or hopefully supposed to be, a way to replace the welfare system. Did not go. Was just much like universal basic income today. A lot of talk. Yeah, and universal basic income has been tried in small scales at a few other places. I don't know if you were going to get into that. Um, eventually, okay. I do want to. I want do want to say, well, the welfare system is trying to do good, but a lot of fail and falls. Bureaucracy, glass ceilings, and tons of strings for welfare. There's actually a limit how much you can make before they take it away. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. But but thing that kind of made me more interested in universal basic income is uh, it might reduce bureaucracy. And Nick, you know how much I love bureaucracy. Yeah, I thought this was the biggest pro in the universal basic income side um, because it is universal. <laughs> it's also it's, less government. It's not, you know, a bureaucrat looking at a bunch of paperwork deciding if you are eligible for welfare or eligible for this program or that program. It's just everyone gets it. It can be automated. There's way less people. And I do like that part of it. Well, just to give an idea of how much is spent on welfare, I've seen people try to explain welfare being as much as high as $9.35 trillion in the United States, which, based on my research, is completely kind of horseshit. But it is high. It's somewhere between $432 billion to $1.6 trillion. It all depends who you're asking and how they define it. Uh, a number majority agree with, which I didn't dive into of how they defined it, was in 2019 the U.S. spent $744 billion, so I assume that number has only increased. And with things of more people going on unemployment and needing welfare, I mean, as November 2020, as November 2022, there is an estimated 6.01 million unemployed people. Yeah, and to just while we're throwing numbers out, similar to Mike's search for a how much do we spend on welfare number, the search for how much will we spend on universal basic income number is imagination. Yes. So this <laughs> this should be of shock to absolutely no one. The people who want universal basic income have small numbers. And the people who don't want universal basic income have big numbers. But I will say, even the small numbers are big. Like $2 trillion big. And the big numbers are 4 or more trillion dollars. And so I think a good middle ground is $3 trillion, two and a half to $3 trillion. And I don't know how to explain how much money that is. <laughs> it's definitely no one billion dollars it is so much less than one billion dollars <laughs> uh, just just an idea for people because this would probably be the most people beneficial for the ubi would be people below the poverty line and the middle class uh the poverty line varies in the united states depending on where you are by a few thousand but usually it's around twelve thousand eight hundred dollars for a single individual and 17000 for two people. And much like with welfare numbers, the middle class, it also depends on who you ask. The U.S. government defines the middle class as a single adult who makes between 30000 and 90000 two adults making between 42000 and $127,000. Uh, 
The average American at says the middle class is between 50,000 and 100,000. And economics pretty much have the center of the middle class being at the 90,000 mark. Location also having a huge part about it. Yeah, I feel like you got to get above 50 to be out of the middle class. That seems reasonable. Oh, yeah. I I think like for, for me, middle mark is like 75, 80 is probably middle class. And I middle don't want to accuse the government of trying to throw out fraudulent statistics by setting a not good benchmark, but it seems like that's what they're doing. False data. Nick, did you read the same studies I came coming across? I mean, I don't have to read any studies to, to figure out the government's going to lie to me. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is interesting because there is a very age differential between who wants UBI and who doesn't. Uh, the older people are, the less they want universal basic income. The younger the people are, the more they want universal basic income. Just uh, just numbers to keep think, keep in mind. Gen X, on average, has an income after taxes of $88,000. Millennials have an income around $58,000 after taxes. Is X older or younger than millennials? What? X is older. X, okay. X is our so parents. So Z is the one below millennials. Yeah, Z, Z is like the 1997 and above. Okay. Those assholes. Yes. And sticking on with that real quick, a poll was done by Data for Progress to see if people actually support universal basic income in 2021 and found that 55% of the population supports it. A big caveat, and this is why I say some studies were bullshit, they only, serv- they only surveyed 1,137 people. Seems a bit low when you're talking about an entire country. Yeah, and uh, my favorite was watching YouTube videos of people going up on the street and asking people if they would support universal basic income, a uh, much lower population, but I do feel like more representative of America. And what overwhelmingly turned out is pretty much any young kid supports universal basic income, but their support wanes if they have to pay a higher tax rate for it. Yeah. Um, a different group, which I have a little bit more respect for, it's a Pew Research Group. They did their own study, own study in 2020 with a much better sample size of 11,000 people, quite literally 10 times the amount of people. They found 78% of Republicans opposed universal basic income of $1,000, 66% of Democrats in favor of it, adults under 30 were at a 2 to 1 odds in favor of universal basic income, adults over 65 were nearly three quarters opposed Something also I thought was very, it's kind of obvious when you think about it, but it's still interesting to see it on paper. In that same study, they also looked at the ethnicity for who was in favor and against universal basic income. 73% of black Americans were in favor. 63% of Latin Americans were in favor. 35% of white people were in favor. Asians? I don't remember, but it was less than, it had to be less than white because the number didn't stick out i think that was the order of high to low so i met i if i remember correctly then asians would have been less i mean i completely believe that i was just curious uh sorry i actually didn't write that one down my fault well i mean it's i'm not surprised that it's they're below 33 percent. so anyway uh moving on well i know we've talked about it in different episodes but i want to talk about ai even if it's just 
some point because that's a huge driving point when I saw and listening to conversations about universal basic income was the threat of job displacement, which eh, is a real threat. It's okay. Well, the world is shifting. We are seeing another revolution, an AI technology revolution, much like when the industrial revolution happened, jobs went extinct, new ones formed. The question, though, that everyone's wondering, because things are, is AI going to make that much of a difference where the jobs are not going to pop up new and just get rid of the old ones? Time will tell. But if we get a look at history, that's probably not true. Something that I thought was really telling was a really interesting quote. It was a debate between two people about UBI. And one of the guys, they're talking about automation. And his argument was, imagine telling one of the founding fathers that, you know, in 150 years or whatever the time frame is, only 1% of Americans will work in agriculture. Oh, they they, they would think you're insane. They think you're, you're a witch. <laughs> exactly. You're a witch. She's lighter than a duck. She's a witch. So I, don't know, I just like. I mean, can you imagine going back in in time and telling someone only one percent, less than I can't remember if it's one or around above or below, but one percent of the U.S. population works in the agriculture, compared to a time when everyone, what like ninety percent <laughs> of the U.S. population worked in agriculture? Yeah, it technology moves fast and the world's ever changing. Uh, just an idea: the World Economic Forum estimates that AI will cause. 85 million jobs to be displaced, but create 97 million jobs all by 2025. And much like the middle class and how much is spent on welfare, it's all kind of made up numbers. I w- I, I'm sorry, this is just hilarious to me. So Forbes estimates that the U.S. could lose 73 million jobs by 2030 to AI, and that China could lose 236 million jobs by 2030. Oxford completely just disagrees with them, saying that U.S. may lose 1.5 million jobs and China 12.5 million jobs. It's and they uh, and then the PwC says AI will be worth probably 15.7 trillion by 2030, a 26% increase in global GDP. So it all seems like AI is actually going to bring more jobs rather than take away jobs. The question is, will people be able to adapt? And Nick, you'll you'll like this. We talk about economics a lot, like uh, the people who make the economic guesses. And boy, are they so wrong so often. So I decided to look up how often they are right, Nick. And uh, Nick, you want to take a guess on how many times those economics were correct about guessing a recession? Do the Cubs win the World Series more? Ooh, it's Tied. it's it's. How long did it take the Cubs to win a World Series? About once every hundred years. Oh, so it's actually pretty. It's actually pretty close. Turns out in the last 150 recessions, they were only right. Tw- they were only right twice. Well, the Cubs only won the World Series twice, so <laughs> the economists are right one out of 75 times. And but there's probably been economists longer than there's been. Oh, the Cubs. Oh yeah, Chicago Cubs. Oh yeah. So. Probably the Cubs are winning. Yeah, that's a that's a weird sentence. 
They're losing <laughs> but they're... at the game of life, <laughs> but they're better than economists. I decided to guess. I like gambling. Gambling is interesting to me for mathematics, even though I've never been inside of a casino. Uh, do you know what the odds are at a roulette table for guessing the correct number? The right number? I don't know. It's like one in 60. Something. One out of 37. It's near. It's almost double the chances of the economics being wrong than you placing a number on a roulette table. Well, the reason why I bring this all up is we don't know how we don't know the future. We know AI will replace jobs. And the best example I looked towards was the Industrial Revolution. Now, for those unfamiliar with the Industrial Revolution, I'm not explaining to it. Learn your history. But it was a period. It was slow. It evolved. It took about 100 years, all in all, to fully transform. I assume the technology revolution in the 21st century will be faster, which will cause a higher job loss initially. I feel like... Uh, that's very fair to say. And for those saying, and that saying years ago, I'm not sure if it's still popular, just learn how to code, I disagree with. Especially, and I think that's where UBI fits in more of maybe UBI be used as a transitional period as we get more and more jobs switching like as we're almost in a changing phase. Yeah, I mean, it's this is this is where I start to get lost on UBI because we're we're trying to predict the future. Yes, it does look like job, some jobs, a lot of jobs will transition to automation, but it doesn't mean that, I, I don't necessarily know if that means everyone's, like people are going to suddenly become unemployable overnight. No, I think it's most likely going to be a period, but I think the periods can be exacerbated because of how connected everyone is and how much technology we have. So like I said, the industrial revolution, it took, I think like 60 years for Germany, those industrial fucks to adapt to the industrial revolution but man once they once they got there yeah maybe maybe we should have stopped them before they got there <laughs> uh but yeah it's uh you know it took a while for things to change technology wise it one it was less communication less easy to transport i think all those factors would make people losing jobs much faster like uh i would say look at cell phones like, just look at the 21st century of, like, what has changed? Does, do CDs even get manufactured anymore? I don't think anyone's asked that question in, like, five years at least. Yeah, and that's five years. That's There's just, people are just collecting the unused writable CDs that are in people's desks, putting new albums on it. That's my guess. Well, I figure just everyone just converts to aux cord or Bluetooth, like, that was probably a huge industry, and that's just adapt or die. But the question is, can things, can companies adapt fast enough, and can people adapt enough? Like a biggest one being transportation. It's used a lot in universal basic income talks. Is we're gonna have self-driving cars sooner rather than later, and a lot of people's jobs in the entire world is transportation, driving Ubers, taxis semi-trucks, all those transportation vehicles, all those jobs in the foreseeable future will eventually be replaced by automation. And that's where the just learn to code, I, I disagree with. I don't suspect a 50-year-old man to have his entire career disappear overnight and him just be like, oh, I'll just pick up code. It, it, it doesn't seem right. Yeah, well, I don't think that 
don't know. I <laughs> I don't think that that's the solution either. Um, I just feel like there's be better used to help finding other jobs that are applicable, but not automated yet. Like a lot of what I deal with is going to be late automation in the forest industry because automation technology, all technology goes to agriculture for first. And then if there's a fit, it'll make its way to forestry. But because the ground is so difficult and changing and drones and stuff like that tend to have a harder time uh, machines working in a forest environment. So I, and we're short on labor. Um, but I, I feel like there's, I mean, second, how many coders do we need? Like, that's what I don't get. Like, they're like, oh, all these truck drivers, their jobs can be automated, learn to code. It's like, I, I don't know how many coders we need, but it can't be that many, right? But I don't know anything about computers. I'm not, I don't know. I assume that was just a derogatory kind of thing to say, like, it's just another way to say adapt or die. I don't know. Right. I don't really have social media. That's your soon to be my department. Well, so the fun part of so the little bit of backstory I know is that some journalists said that to you know blue collar people who are going to lose their jobs. But then whatever CNN or some I think a CNN anchor said it. But then CNN like fired all their people and everyone, they were trying to make people feel bad. And everyone was just like, learn to code, fucker. Was funny. <laughs> hey, CNN actually doing something good. Well, is they're, they were out of money, so they couldn't, couldn't pay their people. So, I mean, I don't know how good that is. All right. All right. Well, let's get it back a little bit back on track. Nick, you do know in America, we already have some form of universal basic income, depending on what state you're in, right? Are you talking about the 49th state? I am talking about good old Alaska. Yeah, I, I'm i excited to talk about Alaska. Now, you've actually been to Alaska, which I'm jealous about. And, uh, man, if Alaska wasn't so cold, it seemed like a great place to be. That's... <laughs> See, the great thing about Alaska is the lack of people, and cold allows that. Yeah, fair, fair enough. But uh, it's got coastal towns that aren't as cold. They're not warm. <laughs> so I, I don't know if that really cancels out. Uh, the Alaska Permanent Fund is what you're referring to. Yes. So the, uh, la- the com- different companies in Alaska, mostly uh, natural mostly oil companies pay into a program that dispenses almost like a profit sharing to the citizens of Alaska. It's not much. It's usually like a thousand to 3000 a year, uh, depending on how well these companies do. I believe the average is a thousand six hundred a year for the last like 10 years or so. Yeah. I saw something similar than that. It was, uh, after the, 2008 crash it was pretty consistent at that number so um from what i read you know so i want to get a preface of when we talk about universal basic income we're not referring to any specific plan unless we name that specific plan say so yeah Yeah, unless we name the specific plan 
there's all sorts of plans with different numbers and whatever so um most of them tend to be more than the the thousand dollars a year but i thought it was an interesting study of the the alaska permanent fund because it is applicable it's just a, a little bit lower number than smaller scale in scale it's a probably it's probably the biggest scale ubi that's uh, been tried no we'll get to it but i want to stick with alaska for a minute okay so um yeah nick that's pretty much it ever since like uh it's like 1980s or something that when it was first implemented and uh much like every ubi there are rules you can't be absent from alaska for like 150 days no felonies uh that year um you have to be in a full year so if if you move to Alaska January 2nd, you won't get a uh, money from the Alaska permit fund until the after the year because you were you missed a day of that year. Like there are rules to the UBI. And something that I thought was interesting. There's a study from the University of Alaska in 2016. Might be some bias there. <laughs> Just saying. University of Alaska on a survey about giving Alaskans money. They found that the Alaska Permit Fund reduced poverty by 20% in Alaska. Seems seems like a big number. Yeah, it does. But I'm also, I should have looked this up, but I don't know what the cost of living is in Alaska. That's not, it's simultaneously cheap and expensive. It depends on where you live. <laughs> what, do you, what do you want? Do you want common goods or do you want cheap goods? I mean, it's more expensive. The housing and stuff is cheaper, but the cost of everything is crazy expensive uh especially if you live further out like people are paying like 50 bucks for a can of beans in some places so depends what you're how you're living i location, guess location 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 but i imagine i'll be honest when i think of alaska i don't really think of lots of multimillionaires. i think more blue collar hunter people so i imagine for those people a thousand dollars Makes a big difference. Yeah, I mean, and this is where I'll disagree with the study, not on any numbers, but, and I'm no Alaskan expert, but I live in Oregon, which is a coastal pretty state. Pretty close to Alaska. Pretty similar climate to Alaska. And for my honeymoon, me and my wife went all over Alaska, and it didn't seem like there was any less poverty in Alaska than there was in Oregon. And maybe it's just homeless populations were similar, but it seemed like there's the same amount of, you know, blue tarp houses and, you know, shitty cars in the middle of nowhere, you know, broke down boats. I, that might just be any state near the Pacific Ocean. That might just be a Pacific well, Ocean problem. I, when I picture someone having a 20% reduction, either that means their problem was really big to start with, or it should be noticeably better. <laughs> Uh, touche, touche. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that has to do with more off the beaten path for those people. Not quite sure. But yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's, I don't know. I know Anchorage has just as big a homeless problem as Portland does, but also realistically, what's an extra thousand dollars a year supposed to solve that? I guess I, you know, it's like, I feel like that's the number's a little inflated, but the I don't think the purpose of the fund is to 
raise everyone out of poverty. I, I don't know. No, I agree with you. Like I said, this is from a study from the University of Alaska. So I assume, I mean, they could have been on the up and up, but it's... And again, like, I, and I can't stress this enough. If you have a homeless population similar to Portland, that is in no way a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. But America isn't the only one considering UBIs. Right now, an experiment is happening in Africa, specifically Kenya. The company or charity, I'm not quite sure which they are, Give Directly, that's the name of the company, in 2018 started a UBI experiment, giving 21,000 adults in a specific region in Kenya cell phones and money. They give this money in multiple ways. Three, ter- three ways, to be specific. Long term, which is 75 cents a day for 12 years. Short term, 75 cents a day for two years. And a lump sum at one time of $500 stimulus check. The 75 cents comes from the price of the region. It is directly about 2,250 Kenyan shillings a year which is about 25% of the average household earnings. So they're trying to give about 25% of the region's earnings, and it, this region tends to be a little bit more on the poorer side. As for the results, so far, it's not been the full 12 years. It's uh, overall pretty good. Life has improved for their participants. More people are going to school, a lot healthier, less uh, people dying at a young age. It seems to be beneficial for them. So I saw a similar experiment in uh, Namibia, and I'd say almost uh, just from, and maybe this goes to, speaks to the Alaska uh, plan as well, is that it does really provide relief for people in extreme poverty and a few other like groups. I don't know if you came across this, Mike, but... What I saw mostly is that women were the group most positively affected. For me, I saw for every universal basic income, it was children. Children were the most benefited by it. I I did see that as well. I don't know about your specific study, but just for all the ones we're going to, I'm personally going to talk about, it was the children benefited the most. And uh, is that because the children could attend school instead of having to worry about funds? Is that what you saw? Uh, that also nutrition was a huge part. Uh, the quality of food increased in multiple UBI experiments. The now, I mean, stress what stress relief was a big one. Like, I don't know if you've ever been poor. It fucking sucks. And uh, trauma is generational. So, if, like, you say your parents say money doesn't grow on trees. Your entire life, you'll probably be a little worried about money. But if that's gone a little bit, a little bit of anxiety gone. It's um when you have one less bill to pay, it makes your life that much easier. And if that's if your parents are less stressed, you're less stressed. That's what I kind of got from a lot of the universal basic income experiments. Yeah, I mean that's what I saw too um in the Namibian experiment. So it's just a 2-year experiment experiment. Were they um, giving money monthly, weekly, yearly? I did I don't know anything about your experiment. Uh, monthly. So uh, for two years, everyone under the age of sixty got a hundred bucks, a hundred Namibian dollars, uh, every month without conditions, and that's the equivalent of about seven U.S. dollars. And uh, so from the experiment, hunger, uh, the 
The rate of child malnutrition dropped from 42% to 12% in 6 months and then to 10% after 11 months. And extreme poverty was reduced from 76% to 37%. And unemployment decreased. Uh, so the share, the share of the working population increased, uh, which led to an increase in labor. And the number of self-employed people uh, increased. The, the number of children who regularly attended school uh, doubled to 90%. Doubled? Holy shit. That's impressive. And Nick, I don't know about you. This might be jumping ahead a little bit too far, but it seems like universal basic income affected different societies in different ways. I wasn't. It's not equal across the board. By societies, do you mean countries or societies? Do you mean parts of the population separately? I both. I mean classes of people. So like people in below poverty and also poor slash developing countries tend to be more beneficial. I'll. And then I saw like first world countries, it wasn't that beneficial. No, I definitely, I think universal basic income is 100% a great idea for a developing country. And then I feel like there's there's a point where it, it loses effectiveness. There, all right. So speaking of effectiveness and points, I want to bring up this, uh, the one I saw a lot argued for UBI was the Universal basic income experiment happening in South Korea right now by a governor. Uh, the reason why I want to bring it up is the rules that they have. So right now in South Korea, they give a specific money to individuals, uh, but the Koreans receiving the money must only spend it in their local community and may not spend on chains. So no chain restaurants, no chain businesses. The amount the participants receive is 220 uh, and they don't receive it monthly. They receive it quarterly. And the reason why they're doing this, I didn't realize South Korea had 27% of their 15 to 29-year-olds either unemployed or underemployed. Uh, Some caveats, though. Fuck, for all that time in school, what are you doing? Yeah, you. I, I'll be honest. I, in my mind, as a dumb Western American, South Korea, to me, is like a super city. I imagined they would be very low unemployment. But another note, because we've mentioned it slightly, is the government in this experiment have access to what you're spending that money on. And I, I saw from both for my Kenya research that I saw, Alaska research, and uh, the net negative income, they were all just like, give the money and we don't keep track of how you spend it. I'm also a big fan of you're forced to spend it on your local community and not chains. I also thought that was pretty cool. I do like that. That's a pretty, I mean, I feel like that's, that seems like something like South Korea, like for a developed nation, that seems better, you know, but generally those stores are going to be more expensive. So if you're trying to bring someone out of poverty, forcing them to shop at a, you know, maybe something more, more expensive stores, the ideal scenario, but I definitely think for a developed nation, that's, that's I hadn't run into that, so I really do like that idea. They actually are planning on upscaling it to more people, and how they want to do it is by taxing robots. So having a robot tax to pay for it all. Um, I have heard about the robot tax. Was that their idea first? I have no idea. I'll be honest, Nick. There are so many different universal basic income experiments happening and so many different points. It's the order of operations. I have no idea. Yeah, no, that's 
That's fair. But I but it is very interesting sticking on with first world versus third world country. Uh, there was a UBI conducted in Finland, and what they found, though it increased people's happiness, it did not increase jobs. But for the developing countries and third world countries, it seems like it also increased jobs. It seems like uh, for first world countries, it simply made people less anxious and ha- and more happy, which is kind of universal across the thing. But it didn't it didn't make more jobs. It didn't allow people to because I saw I, I don't know when I think universal basic income, I think of the argument of like, well, allow people to get themselves more educated, allow people to start their own businesses, allow people to do X, Y and Z. It doesn't seem to be the case for first world countries, though. No, I, and I think the problem is just the amount of money that is required to do these things. Like, and this is my problem with UBI. I guess, okay, so this, I don't want to get into that right now, but a hundred million dollars, you can do, you can go, it's four dollars to go to the doctor. So it's a huge increase, right? A thousand dollars in the United States will not pay for your doctor's visit if you don't have insurance, right? So it's not. Yeah, what the average ambulance ride is eleven thousand dollars. Yeah, so it's it's not the lifesaver that that it is in other places, right? I mean, a thousand dollars that's like a month's rent, depending where you live, maybe, maybe less, maybe more. You know, like that's I think that's the. The problem that the amount of money to, you know, set someone up in the U.S. to where they could pay for, you know, medical visits for not just them, but for their family and have someone stop working so they can attend school. That number is not a thousand dollars. That that's just my. Well, I don't think the universal basic income is to stop you from working. I think it's supposed to be like a relief fund. And I have an example, another example that's happening in- well it's so my, my point was not to stop the breadwinners from working but the a lot in the more developing nations universal basic income led to the kids not having to go to work then able to attend school so that they could then have you know a better life following but when everyone has to work uh in the you know kids once they get old enough to work stop attending school you know, you stop, you lose all that education years, you would be getting educated. Yeah, but I, I look at that study you said, and doubling the attendance of school, that's gonna, if that goes on for a generation, that's another generation people that much smarter, which is huge. Right, but I don't see, I don't really know if I see that happening in a developed country. Oh, no, 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 I, I, I agree with you, it will not affect majority. I think it would only affect people below the poverty line. Like an like that extra thousand, maybe instead of working a full-time job and a part-time job, maybe you're just working a full-time job. And that way you get to spend more time with your kid or something like that. But there is another study going on in America, which I think is prevalent because it's a first world and also a poor community in a first world. Well, not poor. It's a community that's had struggles in the past, mainly due to, well, the American government. A nation within a nation, the Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians. I don't know if you came across this group, Nick. Uh, I did not. So they own casinos, and they give part of the profits to their tribe members, even children who don't, who aren't an adult yet. Uh, and for the most part, 
this has significantly helped their tribe members. Parents usually put away their children's money for them for the future or invest it, and it tends to allow the children to pretty much be able to afford college by the time they're 18. As for how much, I'm not quite sure. I've seen everywhere from low as $500 a year to $12,000 a year. But a lot of research has been done on this sort of universal basic income. It, to me, it reminds me a lot of the Alaska experiment, or I don't even know, you can call it an experiment anymore, just a law. Research has shown that casinos giving money a $4,000 annually helps the household. It helps parents raise their kids. It also helps children from committing minor crimes. It This $4,000 extra a year has helped the poorest children from committing minor crimes by 22%. And a different study from Duke University shows that the UBI reduces the people's likelihood of smoking by 32%. And drinking by 18%. But another caveat, because I think this has to play with the first world versus the developing nations. There are side effects from this Cherokee Casino universal basic income. The same study at Duke showed that they saw an increase in obesity by 5% and an increase in diabetes by 13%. So I think this plays into more that the universal basic income helps developing nations or the poorest of the poor. It doesn't really do anything for first world countries. So it sounds like it almost might be detrimental because you said their increase in diabetes and weight gain. Yes, but a major decrease in smoking and drinking. So how are those connected? <laughs> this seems like a decrease in smoking and drinking would lead to a decrease in weight gain and diabetes. Well, I I imagine those are not separate I imagine all those like obesity, diabetes, smoking, drinking is not all correlated to universal basic income. I imagine there's a lot of outside factors that weren't taken into consideration. But it's it's uh, maybe people were leaning on drinking and smoking as a vice to handle stress and the extra few thousand dollars relieves the stress. So they no longer do so. But now that they relieve stress, they feel like, oh, I got some extra money. I'm going to treat myself to a nice dinner. Oh, I'm going to get dessert. I can afford it. I can see that happening. Yeah. And Nick, I want to answer your question since we're talking about governments. And I can't think of a better segue of people getting shafted by the governments than talking about the Native American population. You said that it would cost trillions, which it most likely will. Nick, we've done drinking bill podcasts. We know how much the government spends on things and how many dumb things it spends on. <laughs> I don't think like six trillion means anything to them. No, it definitely doesn't. Um, and to be so in all those studies, the reason the number is so low. Uh, okay. <laughs> Keyword <Sorry>. low. <laughs> two, when I say low in a meeting, two trillion dollars, uh, it's a relative low. <laughs> so, uh, in no other context would I use to describe two million dollars. <laughs> two as a trillion, not million. Two trillion. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, We're not I, used to use that number. I cannot actually comprehend <laughs> the number two trillion. So, I'm just going to keep uh, moving on here. Uh, is because it's going to cut every other social program the government has. So, no welfare. No food stamps, no, no work programs. Like it's universal basic income would be the 
beginning and the end that is the only social program the government has i mean since we're not gonna see medicare when we turn 65 i imagine that kind of makes sense to the younger generation we're paying for something we'll never get to use yeah now uh and i don't think this is the majority but i don't know if it's the minority either there's a group of people who want to implement universal basic income in addition to the welfare programs we have already, which would cost a lot more money because a lot of the, uh, when they break out the plans for universal basic income, a lot of the savings come from removing the bureaucracy, like Mike mentioned, in the welfare programs. And so if you don't remove those, instead are adding an additional cost to the $975 billion, it was around uh, people have it between 400 billion to 1.6 trillion it's most likely around 700 billion to 1 trillion okay so around that in addition to the the cost of ubi uh you could be looking at another basically another trillion it sounds like (laughs) one billion (laughs) dollars One trillion. They need to make. We've reached a point of inflation where they need to make a new Austin Powers movie. Are they doing that? Isn't that in the works? Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> we ran out of stuff. Just repump the same stuff. No one will notice. So, uh, and and this is, I think, a good time to bring up my major concern with universal basic income. I don't understand why instead of giving everyone an extra $1,000 a month, what if we halved it and we gave people who really needed it $2,000 a month, you know, say below, like, like you said, 50,000, if you, if you make 50,000 above, not household individually, you get an extra two grand a month. I feel like a targeted, uh, semi-universal basic income would be so much more effective in a developed country than a universal basic income. And my examples would be look at all the COVID relief bills, like the PPP loans, um, you know, the uh, stimulus checks. Me and my wife got stimulus checks and we both were working more due to COVID than less. We were not without work. So it, it was, it, I just felt like a waste. And I feel like that's how I would view UBI, like I'd, I'd much rather give money to someone who needs money, but it, I mean, if everyone's getting money, I'm gonna definitely gonna have some of that. I both agree and disagree. I think you are, I am inherently in favor of having it as a pyramid division for universal basic income. The people who need it more get more, people who need it less get less, people who are well off, they don't need it. I am concerned though on the opposite side of it's freedom for all not freedom for none so to say that we're all equal kind of means you have to do it for everyone though i agree with that if you're below fifty thousand dollars you should get more if you're middle class you should get more if you're upper middle class or above you should get cut off the reason why i say i'm cautious of not doing it for everyone is people will game the system we've all i've personally but seen i guess like people what's the difference between what's going on now 
in this hypothetical system. So right now, the big, like a huge thing for welfare is say, say with your job, you're making $9,999. And because you make under $10,000, the government gives you a check. But, you know, you still have all these loans, you still have, you know, car payments and insurance. But now you get like a different job. Maybe you get like a, you get promoted from, I don't know, say working the register to being assistant manager. And now instead of making $9,909, you're making $12,000. Well, now you're making over 10 grand. So they're going to take away your benefits. It, it doesn't incentivize you to continue to, to better yourself because those benefits were helping keeping you afloat. So, so you're making, say, 10 grand with the benefits. You get to keep more of that 10 grand to put it towards, you know, better food, better housing, better location, better car payments, stuff like that. But now that you move up to 12 grand, just slightly above, you have to spend more of your money, less of the government's money to do that. So in fact, you become poor by making more money. That's a huge problem that we have during the welfare system. But temporarily, you're not no. capped at 12 grand. You can move up from that. You can move up from any number, but the problem is how to break the cycle. I don't know if you've ever been poor, Nick. Poverty is like a disease. It's very hard to cure yourself from. And it's a lot easier to be lifted out of a well than to climb out of a well. All right. So hypothetically, so let's say 50 grand is the number. Above, if you make above, you know, fifty grand, you don't get the hypothetical two grand a year, or two grand a month. So, I, I'm just trying to make sure I understand what you're saying. So you're saying that it's be better to to continue to make, you know, not like, for universal basic income. I'm talking about current system welfare. Okay. For current system welfare, it is better for many individuals to not to strive to better their situation. Because as soon as they reach a certain point, the government will take away any support they give. Now, that support might be the structure, the foundation. That, su that support might – it's a vicious cycle. So say you make – you on when you're making X, they support you enough with Y. But as soon as you make it to A, they take away Y, and then the, because they take it away, you will fall back to X because now you lose your support. That's a very common thing happen in the welfare system. There are glass ceilings. They there are caveats not to increase your situation, which is I the welfare system sucks, just how it is. It needs desperately improvement. But what I was trying to say is I've seen people who own million dollar businesses technically be on food stamps because they don't make any money. Their business makes money. So people will always gain the system. Yeah. Well, that's like uh, in town here. The uh, the low income housing is so in demand. It takes like you know ten. It takes a long time to get on uh, the to get on the list and uh, whatever. Anyway, by the time you're eligible or like up on the list, basically everyone who lives back there in the low income housing, there's a, someone guy who owns like. Oh, it's not a brand new Corvette, but it's not an old Corvette. It's a, it's at least post like 2007. And then there's like Escalades and a whole bunch of nice. And it's not just like one apartment. It's just a bunch of nice cars. Yeah. People are going to gain the system. Correct. Uh, but, but I don't know what I, I don't think. I don't think 
welfare or universal basic income is going to cure dishonesty. I think there's going to be gaming of the system in both programs. No, I, I agree with you, but I think it might be mitigated more with universal basic income. Because that I would agree with. Humans will always be humans. It, we it's just how it is. If there's a opportunity, we're gonna seize it. I just think because uh, a very common thread I saw with universal income is you just give them the money and they're on their own. How they spend it is how they spend it. Very few universal basic incomes where they actually keep track of how they spend it, and I think that'd be a lot better. Because you can get different uh, like APR rates on different stuff depending on what tax bracket you're in. and Oh, not tax bracket. What welfare system you're on. Stuff like that. It's uh, it's not great. Like I said, I do agree with you. It should probably be a triangle system where the people at the lowest maybe make more. People at the middle make, uh, make a little less. People at the top make even less than that. I don't think... Uh, I. Now, I've seen people argue it, but to me, universal basic income should not be something you should be able to sustain and live off of. It should alleviate money issues. It should not solve money issues. Yeah, and that's so. That's the great disconnect, right? That's what people say, but then when you ask people what they would do if they had universal basic income, it's like I'd quit my job and I'd create art and I'd travel. No, that's I don't think you understand the concept. Well. It is very interesting. Uh, going back to the papers I read about the Cherokees giving from the casino, there was a family and they would set aside maybe $500 and take the entire family on a vacation to Myrtle Beach. Like they were they were in South or North Carolina uh, where they were in that. And it's, it was nice because they couldn't afford to give the family vacation. So they would set aside some money and they would just take the family on a vacation once a year. That seems like more what the universal basic income should be. Be like, oh, well, I'm struggling buying this. I'm, I'm struggling with my car payments. Oh, well, I can help pay this off. Oh, this this cockroach infested apartment. I can get a little bit better of an apartment and raise my standard of living just slightly. I, I don't think it should be a universal salary. It should just be, you know. Just a, it should be a booster, not not a not a cure all. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And again, I think it should be, I like like you mentioned. I think the welfare provides uh, incentives to not work, like you said, to to game the system. And I think the UBI provides a little bit more incentive to work because it's like you said, it's it doesn't mean you can stop working. I don't know of anyone who can survive on $1,000 a month uh, in, you know, most places in the United States. Unless you have like 10,000 roommates. Yeah. And this is the place, and this is what uh, I think UBI would, is, this is the one, I like that it's not, right, like no one's watching what you're spending it on. So uh, whenever you say $1,000 a month, People who live in New York City who are below the poverty line say, well, that doesn't really help me. With $1,000 a month, you know, if you can get out of New York City. Oh, you can buy a bus you, ticket. Maybe not a train ticket. You can use that to move. <laughs> Maybe not a train ticket, how much trains cost, so, but definitely a bus ticket. You know, a lot of people will debate that, saying, it. you know, how much it costs to hire movers. If you have enough stuff that you need movers to move it, like, you just... 
you know, I, I don't know what to tell you, dude. Uh, I don't have enough stuff to need movers to move it. So oh, I, I can actually tell you this. When I moved cross country and I had to rent a U-Haul, everything, everything I owned from one part of the country to literally the other side of the country, it cost me $1,100 to move everything I had. And that's including a tow hitch to attach my car. So I, I, I th- and that's where, it, you know, a lot of people, uh, people who say they want more money in UBI say, well, you know, I live in New York. A thousand dollars doesn't do anything for me. It's like, cool. Well, that money is to get you the fuck out of there. <laughs> Cause no, a thousand dollars won't help you in New York and it's not going to like, I don't know, you know, what you want us to do besides move to out of New York city. But with like with UBI, as opposed to, you know, uh, normal welfare, you can use that money to move when, and, and then I, you know, people not saying people are all going to suddenly leave New York city, but I'm just saying that's an option now, you know, like a lot of people say they can't afford to move somewhere cheaper. Like that's now an option. Um, and I think that's good because there's a lot of places where you can live on a thousand dollars. Yeah. Well, well, that's very important because essentially uh, since the after the 2008 recession, I don't remember the figure, but less people are willing to relocate for jobs. That number has significantly decreased and maybe you guys will boost it. Yeah, I, I hope so. Because, yeah, that's a um, as someone who does hiring. Yeah, people are very particular with with where they want to live. Um, it's hard to get people to to move. And, you know, what, you know, it's funny, Nick. What's you that? you said in the beginning, imagine talking to our forefathers that less than one percent of the population would be farmers. Try try explaining to anyone's great grandfather that they don't want to move for a better opportunity and job. No, Mike. Try explaining to someone's forefather that they don't want to move across town for a better opportunity. <laughs> it's it's a <laughs> bitch. I crossed the country in a wagon. <laughs> Dude, I'm just picturing like industrial revolution where there were like 12 year olds losing arms, just like trying to just like change cotton now. They're like, wait, you're complaining about what? (laughs) It really puts things in perspective. Yeah, for sure. Uh, But it is something I want to talk about, something I want to talk about of how we're going to pay for it in America specifically. Uh, I saw taxation, taxation, taxation universally across the board i sort of think it might work but i don't think it's how they works they want it to work i don't think they should do taxes on citizens but on businesses i think they need to re much like the welfare re kind of mess around with the taxation on billion dollar companies for example americans the citizens paid Tax ranges from 10% to 37%. The average in 2021 for a single worker was 28.4% taxes. For large companies, well, Amazon federally income tax in 2021 was 6.1%. Exxon was 2.8%. Dow, AT&T, and Charter Communication were basically tax exempt for that year. Well, they to be fair, they could have taken losses. Uh, they and then did they not have to pay taxes. They didn't. 
I specifically I know that's how a lot of big companies when they lose money they get out of it. Yeah, pay taxes for that. No, 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 no. I thought the exact same thing. Uh, I can tell you, Dow, AT and T did not. I don't know about Charter. Now, I'm not hating the player. I'm hating the game. I'll be honest. If I had a billion dollar industry like they did, I'd probably do the exact same thing. But maybe, maybe Amazon should be paying a little bit more than six point one percent taxes, or the American people should not be paying an average of 28.4% taxes. And I feel like that could possibly cover the cost for universal basic income. So, well, I don't think there's a way to do it without taxing citizens. So what's what's the revenue of Amazon? Oh, God, I don't know. But I hang on. When you say not tax citizens, would it be, would you also consider taxing citizens on a optional commodity that they want to buy? Would that be... Like an excise tax, like uh, like Colorado's weed tax. Yeah, you said. Yeah, you, would you count? So that's pretty much what I'm saying. Would you say that is a citizens tax or? Uh, I mean, it depends how high it is. Like Canada, their tax on alcohol and tobacco is ungodly. Well, I do know that in 2021, I don't know why I kept finding research in 2021, but luckily all the years are the same. The Colorado weed tax made 423.5 million dollars. That's that's what year is that? 2021. Okay. What year is it legalized there? Uh 2019, 2018. Uh I know for Oregon the the amount of money spent on or made on weed has significantly declined after, since the uh legalization so is kind of a boom and now there's an oversaturation of the market. Oh, it's increased for Colorado. It was at like 300 million and now it's at it's at 42 million. But I think Oregon was first. It increased for a while. But I also I also think Colorado's population is increasing. I don't think Well, that too. That's a good point. I mean and and this is why I say that. So you talk to fire crews who come from Canada, uh, and this is say like twenty seventeen. I haven't talked to Canadians since then. No, this would be fifteen. Or fifteen. Uh a can of chewing tobacco in the United States, say Copenhagen long cut be like 350 in canada it'd be almost 30 dollars. i'm sorry what 30 dollars for a can of chew in canada well that's stupid so they come down here work fires and smuggle a bunch back allegedly allegedly the keyword allegedly so are we talking like a five percent tax or like a hundred and fifty percent or let's see three dollar was that three hundred percent tax hundred percent tax i'm thinking this is just me kind of throwing shit at the wall. We kind of follow Alaska a little bit. Instead of having a federal UBI, maybe a state UBI that's federally backed. So the UBI is based on the state's income and jobs and resources. So for Colorado, it might be weed, Alaska, oil. For uh, Mike, you know where this is going. No, I don't. I'm very confused. I'm scared. What is a renewable resource that most states have? God damn it, trees. God damn it. Here we are, back at trees. So crazy. <laughs> Dude, I, when I die, please, please make no tree stone, no tree stone, no tombstone with a tree on it or anything for me. Just let, just let me go. I'm going to jackhammer your fucking tombstone and plant a tree on your grave. <laughs> Joke's on you. My ashes are going in the Atlantic. 
Why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> We've had this conversation. The Atlantic is the superior ocean. Okay, we will have this conversation again, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know what? Pollute that ocean. I don't give a shit. <laughs> uh, but I I think that might be a better way to implement the UBI. But well, I I I think that's the way to go cuz okay, so look at Alaska, which comes from oil money. Um and most federal and state forests have stopped their harvesting of timber even though it provides ecological benefits. But so you look at a state like Idaho, they have a very low tax rate because they provide all the money for their schools from their state forest land. People don't really care about that anymore. Um, so they still want to try and you know stop all the logging that's taking place. If we're able to use this, again, can't trust this enough, renewable natural resource to give that money straight back to people. We could continue to provide money, hopefully, for people and schools if that state had timberland. But a bunch of other western states that don't have timberland have grazing on state and forest lands. It's not going to be enough to pay for everything, but you're going to have to probably use some mineral rights and stuff like that to help get there. But I do think using what each state has available, maybe it's weed for Colorado, maybe it's timber for Oregon, whatever you know maybe it's lousy Colorado, politicians from california. california has yeah california has timber they don't have water uh, well you i'm, know, I don't I'm know. thinking of more poorer states uh, what's the poorest state in the united states is it louisiana or mississippi uh both somewhere there uh i'm trying to think what their taxable commodity would be florida they just tax uh put a tax on cocaine you know, fishing uh licenses oh i figure they would have gone with drugs with, with florida yeah i mean like those big tourist states out-of-state fishing licenses get you a pretty good you know chunk of the way there it doesn't have to be just one thing but what about hypothetically if we made say weed federally legal and it was federally taxed and that was going towards the ubi cool I, sounds good to me i'm just i'm just trying I mean, to figure I, out how to actually physically it, pay for it the would UBI. really depend and i don't know enough about how much money weed would make right so say hypothetically weed was federally legal and i don't know a combine a, a you know 10 percent tax on alcohol and weed would be enough to subsidize universal basic income in addition and along with removing the welfare system to go to just ubi cool sounds good you know 15 percent okay it, 20% maybe but when you start getting higher than that I feel like maybe we need to find an additional source that that's just me personally no I I agree with you it's, it's never good to put all your eggs in one basket but it I mean and that's the thing it it doesn't have to come from just one source but it it shouldn't come from all of the sources yes I very much agree with that statement it should be very defined lines but you can move within the fine lines. Yeah. And so I think like, you know, four or five sources. So maybe, you know, we put weed, alcohol, you know, gasoline, uh, and then something else, I, you know. Lithium. Lithium. There you go. Let's make those phones more expensive. Oh, yeah. That's probably not a good idea. What's a cheap commodity that 
pretty much every state has or every state people use. Tobacco, I guess we didn't mention. Yeah, but I feel like tobacco is a little bit more on its way out. I'm thinking I'm a bit long term. Now we got to legalize jewels again. We'll be fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, that that would probably make a bit more of money. But there is something interesting I want to talk about because now now we're getting a little bit more into the pseudoscience of it all. I tried looking the correlation between poverty and inventors because a lot of points that people for universal basic income would say is if people were less worried about working or working all the time, they would be able to create and innovate more. My thought process is if you're poor, you come up with solutions. But on the other flip coin, if you're wealthier, you have the means to create new things. I could not find a study or correlation that points in every direction. I The only thing I could find is that in the North, and specifically the Northeast, in the United States, they file for more patents than people in the South. Perhaps it's population, population density, perhaps it's infrastructure. And for jobs in first world countries, it again, it doesn't seem to create new jobs. It just tends to make people less anxious. It just tends to help third world countries. But again, it does help mental health. So I don't think there's going to be great innovation with universal basic income. Like you said, Nick, with the analogy of, oh, I'd quit full time to work. I'm not Sorry, I'd quit full time to paint. That's probably not going to happen. It, it, it shouldn't happen based on universal basic income. It's It doesn't seem that being poor or being rich has anything to do with creation. It's very odd to me. But I want to run something by because we were talking about how universal basic income should probably be a trickle up effect. So affect the worst off people most, then middle class, then upper. I want to run this by you. What if we use UBI to pay for stay at home parents? So say you are middle class. And you're a lot, you're able in your household to, you know, have one breadwinner and the other one take care of the children. To me, it would kind of make sense to, you know, maybe float $1,000 to that parent staying home just to make sure they're being a good caretaker. Yeah, I was going to bring this up uh, as well. Um, this is one of the things I talked about earlier is that I think, I guess when I meant women benefit from this, I really meant moms benefit from this. Uh, the extra money a month allows moms to stay at home with the kids, and they, the kids benefit because they, they, they have a parent home to to watch them and, and teach them and you know all that stuff. You know, we're in that weird space. Speaking of strange things, Nick, I was confused on how many people in the, for universal basic income just really want to jump up to the thousand or $2,000 mark. I personally think, why don't we start at a low value and slowly increase it as need be? Why start off with a middle or high value? Why not test the water, so to speak? Yeah, well, what would you start out, hypothetically? I It depends. If we're doing everyone in the United States, no matter of uh, economic standings, probably around 250 If we're Doing it middle class and and people below the m middle class, I would want a formula, a formula that could be adjusted over time for inflation. Funny enough, Nick, I actually looked for this formula. No one has yet to develop a formula for this. Uh, 
but I would probably say maybe $500 for middle class and maybe $1,000 for poverty line and then just see how that goes for a few years and then increase it or decrease it how it is. Yeah, I I never, it seemed, <laughs> that's a good point. For whatever reason, seems like $1,000 was the minimum of the UBI plans. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how everyone came I guess up Andrew with that Yang just said it, was... it, and then everyone's like, well, this is it. We can go up from here, boys. I'm, I'm very disappointed there's no formula to be like, hey, if the middle class is X and inflation is Y, we make it this. I feel like that should be a very easily formula to arrive. But there is none. I just they just chose a value and just went, okay, yeah, sure. Five hundred billion to some thing I've never really heard of. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and but I guess if you don't give it to everyone, it's just a limited basic income, not a universal basic income. Well, I think I yeah, that's that's why it's an issue. If it's everyone, that's that's why I think of a triangle. If you're super, if you're above a certain tax bracket, you get way less, and it just kind of trickles down. Which then then seems unfair, but it. I mean, it seems like we're just trying to reinvent welfare differently. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. I'm. I just want to clarify. I am for equal opportunity and not equal outcome. And I'm very with universal basic income. I get concerned that too many people are trying to go for equal outcome rather than equal opportunity. Yeah, uh, which is why I, I do. I like universal basic income as an alternative to the welfare system we have today mostly because less bureaucracy i think it'll end up being the same or cheaper and you don't have to worry like i i don't no one's keeping track of how you're spending i don't money. want to give money to someone on i hate seeing people on welfare abuse the system i feel like it's just like oh well you know when you when you raise it to that below fifty thousand, it's like you don't know who. You know, I mean, it's not like you know exactly who's getting it and who's not. And then it's like, okay, like everyone's getting it. It's not, you know, we're not continually giving money to this, you know, guy who just is going to be homeless and you know he's not filing for unemployment. Um, but I do think there should be, like you said, it's not supposed to replace working. And I don't. Know, I think if there are jobs in the area and no one is applying for them or no one's taking them then like no one like you lose access to your basic income yes and no i i agree with both sentiments to me welfare is like uh kind of like prison i rather let 10 guilty people go than send one innocent person to jail i rather have 10 people abuse the system than neglect one family in desperately need of it like that's kind of like my mindset for welfare. It's definitely a broken system that needs to be fixed. But I, just because a job's available, doesn't mean you should take it. Like um, I don't know. I saw this with a lot of the oh eight crash. I saw people with business degrees who went to four years were making fifty thousand, sixty thousand dollars. Because they lost like everything with this, with the housing market, they were forced to take a job for McDonald's. Maybe that UBI would allow them an extra two months to find a job a little bit more 
suitable to their qualifications. Now, I also, I do agree with you, though, that if an opportunity arises, though it may not be in the opportunity you're looking for, perhaps you should seize it. That's definitely, definitely carries heavy merit, and I definitely agree with it. But I can also see the other side to be devil's advocate. So as someone who will be paying into the system and is currently you know, paying taxes, it's very frustrating to work in an industry plagued by labor shortages when record number of people are on welfare. So it's, you know, we have so to... So that, that's where I think a big incentive is different between welfare and universal basic income is you won't you wouldn't be able to survive off universal basic income it would force you to get another job right as long as we cap like and and this is what my my fear is and a lot of people's fear is with the UBI is that once the cat's out of the bag that's it you know it's currently touted as a replacement for welfare but once we see that UBI you know it's not something you can survive off of uh, I feel like we're just going to to make it a higher amount of money and then it will become something you can live off of, right? It's like a where do you stop? So two things. For to live off UBI, in my mind, the only way to live off UBI is to have like seven roommates and live in a cockroach-infested house. Like it, it should be, it should take like five to seven people all on UBI to somehow make it together and survive. You know, like two thousand on rent, five hundred on groceries, and then like the rest on the other bills. So I mean, like a cheap that should not a, a shitty apartment by me is like five hundred to seven fifty. Is that for one per single for person a two or bedroom? Or for I mean, which is cheaper than single in most places by me. Yeah. So like that. It makes sense that if you want to live in squalor, you could live off UBI. But UBI should not be able to live well off of. Like, you could probably make it work, but probably not the best standard of living. Definitely not buying any Corvettes, that's for sure. Which brings me to the one thing I've never seen anyone talk about or discuss. How to remove a UBI once implemented say if it's a bust and doesn't work how to remove it from the system i've not seen anyone talk about it or anyone give any examples to it it seems like something that important we should have an exit strategy or is that just me being crazy um, so i guess it's not a great example but back to namibia they just did it a year by year basis they'd vote to renew it and then they didn't renew it in 2009, so it just ended. That's that's smart. Have it almost like a sunset law. That I like that strategy. That probably worked pretty well. And we we mentioned I mentioned the analogy with I rather with prisoners. I rather let ten guilty men go than one innocent person go to jail. I did see an interesting conundrum. How would the UBI affect people in jail, probation, felons, uh? released and also how would it affect overseas workers like some i mean no matter where you move to the united states unless you renounce your u.s citizenship you're paying taxes so what happens if i move to australia to be a minor for you know two seasons 
Do I still get the UBI because I'm paying taxes into the system? Or I'm sent overseas as a soldier. Do I still get the tax system? And then, you know, the whole jail felon and probation I mentioned. And I would love to hear your opinion on it, Nick. I mean, that's it's universal, right? Allegedly. Well, I feel like Alaska rules. Like, if you're a felon, you don't. Well, I think, right? So that's the thing. It's supposed to reduce the crime rate by offering an alternative to crime. It's just like the uh, prisons. If you punish these people too much, I mean, it doesn't work. But I do agree. Per me personally, I would say if you commit felony, then yeah, you you lose your access to UBI for life, or just while you're incarcerated. Do you want like to, because we uh, lose free you lose you lose freedoms once you have a felony? Do we you do you lose UBI once you have a felony? Even though after you served your time, I would say so. Say like add ten years to your time, right? So you 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 serve five years. In ten years after that, you get your UBI back. I don't know, for five years or something, or do you give it right? Interesting. Away, so that you you don't have to resort back to crime. I mean, I could see both sides. Just food for thought. What about age? UBI for say children up to to twenty five, but say working class adults from twenty five to say sixty five get less UBI, and then people over sixty five get a bigger UBI. Uh, so I think what starting age, uh, 16 is a good starting age because in poor income populations, it's at around that age that people are pulled out of school to start working. And if well, they for were the Cherokees, yeah. it benefit them at all ages. What do you mean? Like you start at age zero? Yeah. As soon as if the kid's alive, the, they get. Part of See, the... I don't like that. I feel like that's you're providing a financial incentive to have kids. Yeah, touche, touche. I I would agree with that. So I would I would say you know I could say start at age fourteen. I, I ideally I think sixteen's right. I mean, how many people are sending their fourteen year old to work? I mean, it depends on the, the population, and this is why maybe we just. We just set it up when you get your first job is when you get enrolled into the system. You know, when you're filling out your forms, you just fill out one yeah. more. And and this is why I like your idea. I don't know if it's your idea, but it being a state system, because that, it, you know, what these people have pointed out, they're not wrong. $1,000 in New York City is not the same as $1,000 in Ohio. So a state can tailor it to whatever specific area, you know, whatever they feel is right for their state. Uh, so whether that not just be amount, but also age, it starts and ends at, you know, in Namibia, after 60, they stopped, um, you know, giving money. And I, I don't exactly know if that's like, they, then they had like a Medicare system or something after that or, or what, but uh so they, they stopped there, and I'm guessing it was because at that point you can support yourself, hopefully, is is the goal. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I think we both agree with all the systems. UBI should be a tool in the toolbox to get you out of a situation where you need UBI. Yes. I that, That's what I was getting from you talking about the African scenario with uh, them switching to a different system after the voting 
ended it. Well, they, yeah, I mean, they decreased poverty. So is UBI just a Band-Aid instead of an STD? It's actually uh, a Band-Aid. I believe so. I mean, it seems like UBI in two years in Namibia has done more than the welfare in the United States has over... six Since the 60s, right? Is that when, when did the welfare uh, come in? No. Probably It had to be New during deal. the New Deal, right? So almost 100 years compared to two years. We're seeing really good numbers out in Namibia. Very you know small sample size comparing one one to one, but pretty pretty promising. Maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe they just have a better mindset on working than Americans do. That's probably true. Yeah, I don't know. It's I I would say, I, I think UBI has its place. I don't know if its place is in a developing country or developed country. I'd say it definitely seems like it works in developing countries from everything I've read and you've read. I haven't heard of a poor UBI example. I wholeheartedly agree. And I have one more major topic I want to address on. I've seen many people talk about how a UBI in a developed nation will lead to more losers. Less people incentivized to work, less people to want to go out stuff and want to just stay home and play video games. I would say we already kind of have that with current job crisis and stuff like that. But my personal opinion would be this. There will always be losers. UBI may just switch who the losers are. It may be a person who is so poor on money they have no choice but to try to find work in better situation. Versus now a person who would be in that scenario no longer has to and they don't change. I think it will be always losers. If you had 10 people... Two of them were losers, and you add a UBI. I imagine those two losers would not be losers, but a different two would take the place. I think no matter what, you're going to have people without ambition in the world who want to just come home, crack open a beer, and not better themselves and just turn on reality TV. But I will have to say, from everything I read about UBI, even though it doesn't seem to be as beneficial in first world countries, it does seem to increase the quality of life whether it be through anxiety, stress, et cetera, et cetera, a small amount. And to me, that pays more deviant. To raise the standard of living even to raise the standard of living even half a percentage overall without freedom being sacrificed, I would say make it worth it. Once we start adding other caveats of like they get to check on what you're spending it on you know, start getting freedoms taken away, then I disagree with it. But I want to hear your opinion on this, Nick, of there will always be losers and a UBI will simply switch who the losers would be. 100%. So I completely agree. It's not going to stop losers. And uh, not my words. Uh, I think they're, it's a great example. It was a pro UBI argument and a debate. And basically it was, UBI takes away excuses. It takes away, oh, I, I can't afford gas. You know, I can't afford the bus. I can't afford to do this, you know, to get to work. I can't afford to, you know, take online class, whatever it is. Everyone knows that, you know, you get that UBI check. Everyone knows you can't afford it and you choose not to. It it takes away your excuse to better yourself. Your It takes away your excuse for not, you know, doing that thing, whether it's, you know, filling up your car to go to work or, you know, whatever it is. Getting that certification to get you a yeah, better job. That 
your excuse doesn't work because everyone knows that you you can't afford it because you know on top of your job you make at least this much extra from the government uh so my one question that i didn't see answered super well i don't know if you came across it why if it was truly universal and everyone got an extra thousand dollars a year why wouldn't prices just go up to reflect that extra thousand dollars a month I think in some industries it will, but have you ever heard the expression, if you were to equally divide all the wealth within a month, it'll go back to the way it was? No. It's an expression on how, I probably said the expression wrong, but expression is wealthy people aren't just there where they, by happenstance. It's, they've worked hard and a lot of people spend their money poorly. I think the idea for UBI mainly is to get more money circulating. When more money circulating cost usually doesn't increase so i think that might be an offset but i do think so say i think rent would probably increase to match it i don't think food would increase i think food would stay pretty much the same education is already ridiculously expensive i don't really see that increasing anymore maybe maybe more people could afford health insurance maybe actually in some industries, I can see it raising. In some industries, I can see lowering. So say health insurance. Not everyone in the United States has health insurance. And now all of a sudden, they have an extra $1,000 a month where they can spend some money on health insurance. Well, that we might see such an uptick in health insurance that the companies lower the cost because they're getting more customers. So they can pass on the savings to the customers to invite more customers over. I think it would just be a very industry-based adaptation to UBI. I, I just think that prices are going to go up i mean kind of like you know when they gave the government was going to give a seven grand rebate for electric vehicles however like a month ago or so and surprisingly the price of electric vehicles went up by seven grand i I don't know who could have predicted that yeah no i it's a good it's a good point i um i haven't seen a lot of people talk about that either i actually don't think i saw anyone talk about that i perhaps that's where the taxation of large businesses come from to perhaps mitigate that or discourage that, so to speak. I mean, that almost seems like a cha- like a challenge. Like, oh, you're going to tax me to pay for that? I'm just going to raise my prices. Mm. Good point. I take that back. Never mind. That that seems exactly what would happen. And I'll be honest, Nick, they have far better lawyers than the federal government. That is very true. I don't know. I would... Because mm, I when I was looking at South Korea and Finland, I didn't see any evidence pointing to changes in cost but that's also because it was small scale and not large scale so i imagine you have different parts of the country doing so like uh, other countries parts of the country still in this non-ubi system so it kind of makes it mitigated so maybe maybe we can only do ubi for poverty line or below to to make sure there's no price gouging yeah maybe you maybe ubi is like um the negative income from the 19 70s of like we set a price of it has to be the lower middle class lower middle class is defined by that we still don't have an exact number of what defines the lower middle class which i think that formula should definitely needs to be invented we take that all right this is the lowest of the middle class this is lowest middle class number everyone below this gets ubi and based on how close you are to the ubi uh this number is how much you get in ubi that would make that would make sense to me because I, I agree with you that the best way i see ubi the first world countries is just to get rid of welfare and just replace welfare. 
even if it's just a temporary band-aid fix until we devise a new welfare system that's better. And also, I hate bureaucrats, and anything that makes less bureaucrats, it sounds quite beneficial to my happiness. So, recap, Mike and Nick's UBI solution. Below 50000 you get... Below formula. I, I want hard formula, so that way the government can't fudge anything. Okay. Below hard formula for what we can say is an actual lower class... Uh, middle or lower, lower middle, middle class, class and below. below numbers targeted so instead of say hypothetically a thousand two thousand to those people who actually need it and financed by a combination of you know alcohol tobacco weed trees you know some whatever you know gasoline or something like that kind of excise taxes maybe some natural resource help from whatever state you're in and state run as opposed to federal run is that kind of what we are have come to the conclusion of yeah it seems like when you actually live in the state you need to take care of it makes you take care of the state better than if you're in washington dc and you need to take care of arizona yeah that makes almost too much sense yeah i you know it's really weird you know with like fdr's new deal he had a, the 12, was it 12 steps? I think so. Yeah, he had 12 steps. They were written out bullet points. I've seen yet to anyone do that for UBI. Like, I have not, I've, I've just seen philosophy and like, hey, we could do this. I've not seen, this is what we do, followed by this. Nick, you, you've you laid out a lot of steps I've, I, I agree with and we're kind of like, this is kind of like our plan. Why has no one else ever done this? Why has no one else just wrote in bullet points of like, hey, this is the system. We keep it simple. We keep it. We keep it in the lines. Because people are afraid to implement it. I mean, I, in full disclosure, I mean, this basically means I didn't do my research. I did a whole episode on UBI and didn't go to Andrew Yang's website. I'm assuming he probably had some kind of plan laid out there. Ooh, touche! I completely forgot about that. But other than that, my bad, <laughs> my bad. But it's not like I didn't do any research. So there was some plans laid out but but also shame on the other people for not coming up with a plan like it's easy to talk it's hard to come up with a plan to be able to execute it what was your song lyric quote no money for nothing chicks are free well mike you didn't we have to answer two more questions what would uh you do with universal basic income invest act like i act like i don't actually have it and just simply just keep putting it in like Something that follows the S and P five hundred or 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 bonds and just so the smart version investment. of what I did with my stimulus money. Yes. So I we me and my wife were like we didn't work for this money. You might as well like do something that's either going to pay or not pay. So we put it into crypto. Please tell me it wasn't dog coin. <laughs> no, Bit, Dodge Bitcoin and Ethereum. Oh, nice. Those aren't actually the worst things to invest in. So I was like, I wouldn't invest my actual money in it, but I'll put taxpayer money into it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if I'm getting 12000 a year, if I get 12000 a year and I put into a system and say I'm getting 3% interest rate, that's that adds up quite quickly in a decade. And I, I want to say we did not need that money to survive. So it's not like I was investing into crypto 
in order to get out of debt or anything. We were just like, we live, we make more, you know, enough to survive on, live comfortably. Someone's giving me, you know, four, four grand in checks. You got four grand over the course. So me and my wife each get a thousand every, a thousand two hundred. Oh every yeah, time. That may, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, got yeah, three yeah. or four checks. That that may, I only think I got. I only think I got a thousand. Hmm. You need a new accountant, I guess. I don't know. Well, I had to do it myself, but I used that to pay for grocery bills because I was poor during COVID times. So a perfect example of why we need targeted UBI. Because <laughs> some people are spending yeah. it on cryptocurrency. <laughs> Which, fun fact, will still happen even with targeted UBI. <laughs> touche. Touche. Oh, dude, I'm just curious on how many people would go to casinos with their UBI money. 50%. I don't know. That's, that's, a, that's a lot of fucking Lower money. than that, but higher than you think is my guess. <laughs> oh, the government gave me a free thousand bucks? Hey, guys, let's how about, how about next month we all take our stimulus and uh, go to a casino? It's usually like a hundred and... Actually, pre- ch- tickets to Vegas are pretty cheap, so anywhere between like seventy-five to hundred fifty bucks to fly down to Vegas. So, well, I'm thinking with online betting because now online betting is pretty much legal across the entire United States. What I can see a lot of people betting online, get gambling. Why not? Always bet on black. What was your second question, Nick? My second question was uh, geographic location of of UBI. I know we talked about targeted financial, you know, whatever that formula is. I guess probably the, the likely answer is the formula you have will include geographic area. But so I'm, your formula, hypothetically, is going to pick, you know, it's each specific area will have a number associated somewhat with the cost of living. So if you're so much percent below the what would be considered poverty for that area you would get it Ooh, see this is where it gets complicated i don't know if i would choose specific county the you might have to do it for state Mm -hmm. which i don't think you could do it federally because someone living in nebraska versus new york city is very different so probably you're probably gonna have to do it state because to do it by county is too much more bureaucracy and that's that's how you get the cycle to continue and restart that's a very good point yeah, so I, I think that's a probably the best answer is statewide. And again, it's to, with that extra money and not dividing it by county, that's encouragement to find, you know, a more affordable place to live and being able to move there with that UBI. So that would make sense. You know, it might be an added benefit for UBI is dying towns might get to be uh, to have a little of a resurgence. Enough people have enough money to move out of a major city because so many people are working from home to move to a smaller location. So it might actually... I, I, it's, it's two ways. It's either going to de- decrease small towns or increase small towns. But I, I think it might actually increase small towns because you have the extra money to travel to where you need to go to. So if you're in a shitty small town, you can leave, but also vice versa. If you're in a major city and you can work from home, you can use that extra money to buy another piece of land outside the city. Yeah, I, I think that, I mean, I think no matter how it's implemented, there'd be a massive change in society 
couple months after UBI took effect, would be my guess. Yeah, and uh, it's definitely definitely looks like it's coming soon. One way or the other, we're going to hit a hard answer on whether UBI is coming or not. Something that's been debated on for centuries, but uh, it's a bit concerning, Nick, to be honest with you. It's a little nerve-wracking with the idea that AI could take so many jobs, the idea that civilization is changing so rapidly. The future's scary. I mean, that's why they call it the future. I don't I don't think that's why they call it the future. Well, um, <laughs> but good effort. The fe- I mean it's there is no fate but what we make, so I mean you're never going to know or it's not going to be. It's it could be continue and what I think is going to happen, technology is going to continue to increase. It's going to jobs are going to change, but there's I don't think we're going to see this major loss of jobs. Like we think we're going to see. We may see major loss of jobs in a certain area, but I think they'll transition to something else. Uh, you know, not necessarily learning to code, but I mean, we thought the combine, not the big diesel mechanical, like the John Deere, you know, metal, like metal parts, oxen combine, shit like that was going to end society because we were taking away so many jobs. I mean, this is industrial revolution, the same thing. This isn't the first time Luddites. This isn't the first time advances in technology people have thought the end of working. And I don't think it's going to be the last. But that's just me. One can hope. One can hope. But with that being said, Nick, what are you reading? I am reading The Future of the Last Wild Food for Fish by Paul Greenberg. And it's about salmon, tuna, cod, and rockfish, basically says bass but I anyway um it's pretty good you know i like books about the natural world humans effect on them i don't like books that are preachy and it's kind of getting there but it's hard to read a environmental book about that's not preachy so what are you reading i'm reading a book about where i'm gonna go uh, i'm reading uh, deontay's divine comedy oh, i forgot you were reading that i was about to say straight to hell and you beat me to it <laughs> yeah and it's uh it's actually pretty good i've only been i'm only a few pages in to be honest with you mostly been researching universal basic income because there's a shitload of information on it some there's a lot of philosophical information <laughs> fluff a lot of fluff information uh so i haven't had a really good chance to sit down and actually start fully truly reading it but so far so good <laughs> as I go descent into hell. So far, so good. And Nick, you got a question for our listeners? What would you do with universal basic income? And what is your preferred plan? Now, I don't want to know all the sex toys. At what buying. tax? Well, that too. But I don't. Uh, step by step, at what tax bracket are you going to do a progressive tax? But more of who's going to who are you going to be taxed? You know who's getting the money and. uh Please, please don't comment tax the rich because you can tax all the millionaires and billionaires like 100% and still not afford to pay for universal basic income. So we do need a better plan than, quote unquote, tax the rich. And where can they tell us that information? That's also helpful. Yes, that would be uh, Reddit and Instagram, YouTube. Uh, That's pretty much it. Haven't gotten Twitter yet. Uh have we? 
I don't. That's your department still. So I don't no. know. That would be a no. That would be a no. But with that being said, thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening to the Backyard Philosophy Podcast. We rarely finish a podcast without missing a point we wanted to bring up, so let us know what we forgot. And if you have a topic you want us to talk about, let us know at Backyard Philosophy on Instagram and Backyard Philosophy Podcast on Facebook.